Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. And for the second week in a row, I've got my friend Michael McElyay with us. I got it right this time. I had it written down right in front of me before, but I just said it wrong. But I got it right. I got it right this time. And we had a great time last week. Michael, thanks for being with us again. Uh, It's my honor to be on two weeks in a row. I feel humbled and honored. Well, my privilege. And uh, I asked you to talk to you about this before, and you were gracious enough to say, fine. Uh, Today, when we're recording this, you had a wonderful post on Facebook that you've gotten a lot of good feedback from. And uh, take a little time and just tell us about what you wrote, how you were inspired to do that, and expand on that, if you would, please. Oh, yes, sir. The gospel is not the most exclusive message in the world. It's the most inclusive message in the world. Jesus might be the exclusive Savior, but that exclusive Savior includes all. And I was just going into that journey, just digging into the message of inclusion. And my eyes got fixed on the very beginning of John, John 1, just in the first couple of verses. And I started to dig into it. I'm the kind of guy that likes to look up words in in the Greek text and been blown away at some of the stuff that I found and whether it's translator bias or why did they say it that way? This is way more beautiful or, oh my gosh, they outright changed this or whatever. So I I just found myself, I do that quite a bit. So I I started digging into John a little bit and I'll share with you the post that I made. I was looking at John 1.3 and here's two different translations of that text. The NIV says, through him, Jesus, all things were made. Well, when's the last time you ever heard a sermon on Jesus, the creator? That's another point, right? Without him, nothing was made that has been made. The New American Standard puts it, all things, same verse, all things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So I zeroed in on to came into being and was made in that. Like, why does one say was made and the other one says came into being? And then the second part was without him or apart from him. So those two translations sound very different depending on your paradigm. And I wrote, it's true that your very own paradigm will influence the way you translate the text. I found that out through looking this stuff up. So I'm about to show you guys something. When I read the original words in Greek, my paradigm that I have now, when I read that, I see something beautiful and inclusive and universal (laughs) And, and even mystical. The Greek word for was made or came into being is gnomai, and it says it means to emerge from, to become. Now watch this, to transition from one point or realm to another. 
Genesis 3.26 says that God breathed out of himself into Adam, which actually means humanity, the breath of life, and Adam, humanity, became a living soul. God breathed out of himself what was within him, and he breathed it into humanity, you and I. John 1.4 says, in him, Christ was life, Zoe life, not biological life, Zoe life, that's the God-breathed life. And that life was the light of all of humanity, all mankind. If you put that word and those definitions and the passages together, you get this. Christ, the creator, took from what was in him and he breathed out of himself into humanity. What was within him emerged and transitioned from the eternal realm into the realm of time and space. And he wrapped that word in flesh and he named it Adam which means mankind, Paul Gray and Michael McElyay. Let's keep going quickly. The word for without him, apart from him, or nothing was made that was made is chorus. And even uh, I think that's even derived from the word that we get grace from, I think you mentioned. But, and it actually means separate, separated, apart, or without. Couple that with in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind, and that all mankind emerged from him. Listen to what this is saying. That every single human being (laughs) emerged from within Christ. It is also saying that not one human being emerged from eternity into time and space separated from Christ. There is no separation. He is in every single human being now, right now. Every single human being is holy and priceless and precious and full of glory and honor and dignity and eternal, whether they know it or not, believe it or not, experience it or not, whether their life looks like it or not, this is the objective truth. Not only that, but every single person on this earth, even atheists, are not separate from him. They emerged from him, fully joined to him eternity. There is no separation. This is what the incarnation unveils, an eternal mystical union. Not I can go down and read the other passage. I've put several passages in there about how every family on earth derives their name from him. In him, we live and move and have our being. Christ is all and is in all. And then I wrote, we live inside of a Christ-saturated existence, which I said earlier, every bush is aflame with the fire of his presence and glory. We live inside of love's embrace. We live inside of the divine embrace. Francois has got a book called that, Divine Embrace. Like fish in an ocean, we are swimming inside an endless ocean and bottomless sea of love and grace and kindness and mercy. And then this last part and that I wrote, the very last thing is, you know, Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, baptism actually means immersion. I even think that that was rendered wrong, to be quite honest with you. So I did my own little paraphrase of that, and it's, Go into all the world and tell everyone the good news that thanks to Jesus, they've been fully immersed and included in the divine dance, plunged right into the middle of the heart of the Trinity of God, and nothing can ever separate them from his love. Man, it's so good. And it's, uh, yeah, you you made my day when I read that this morning, and you just made it again by uh, letting me hear you talk about it yourself. And I, I think Tell about, me how that's not good news. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When I hear you saying that, it, t- it takes me to Ephesians 1, before the foundation of the world, before 
anything was created, we were in Christ. We were in Christ. We were one with Christ. We, we were one with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We always have been. There's never been a time that we weren't, and there's no possible way that we could be separated from them. And it, boy, that's so profound, especially when you've come out of a background of you were born a sinner, you were separated from God. The only way you can get to him is to say these things and do these things. That's just a total perversion of what's true. And people aren't the enemy. It's it's not that they're bad people for coming up with that perversion or for uh, propagating it. Uh, they're they're just uh, ill-informed and all of that. And I was there. You know, yeah, me too. Yeah. And so I, I, I shouldn't anyway, but I have no uh, standing to, <laughs> to judge right. anybody's there. But the good news is good news for all people. And that's what we get to tell people now, Michael, instead of going to somebody and saying, well, do you know where you're going to go when you die? And did you know that you're wretched and depraved and there's nothing good in you? Well, that's good news, isn't it? <laughs> but if you do what my group says and believes, I mean, we're we're one of the 40,000 denominations, uh, but we're the one that got it right. <laughs> The, that whole paradigm is just absurd. It's just laughable, but it's not when you're in it. But we get to tell people the truth of who they already are, who they already have been, how, been, how much God loves them, who they've always been. And I, boy, I've found, uh, I would guess that you have too, I've I found that people are much more receptive to that message than any other one. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, even the angels showed up on the scene uh, to the, the shepherds on the hillside and said, behold, we bring you good news of great joy. That's for all people today in the city of David. A Savior has been born, Christ Jesus the Lord, and the Savior of the world. I mean, today now it blows my mind how I was caught up in the other message that you and I both were caught up in. And I don't get it. I, I'm just thankful that I see with fresh eyes and clear eyes and you know, the you know, love we, of God is so much more profound. Oh, no, me too. We just hear things over and over again by people that respect, people that have letters after their name or you know, people that are wonderful people. And we hear things over and over again and, and we just repeat them over and over again. This morning I posted, I, I asked a question. I, I said, give me a word or two or a short phrase, your understanding of God's love. I've had a lot of responses already, and most of them are in some form or another what we've been talking about, what we understand. But a few of them said God's love is something that we who are totally depraved and undeserving get when we believe in him. And, you know, and there were some other similar type things. It's just something that people have heard. I mean, that's just, you can tell I just came right out because that's that's not only what they believe. They've just heard it so often that when you're asked to talk about God's love, that's what you say. Yeah. And I just was reminded of something that I shared. Oh, my gosh. I, I was looking in the uh, Septuagint version of the Bible, uh, the old Testament, you know, it was the version that the apostles had back then. And it comes from a manuscript that's a thousand years older than modern translations are derived from. And you know, Psalm 51, where it's like that repentance type Psalm 
And David said, and this is where a lot of this theology comes from, is that one verse. And he's like, surely I was sinful from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. You know, like, oh, yeah, we're, you're, we're just wretched sinners from the beginning. And I looked that up and in the Septuagint just to see if anything was different, because I found some things being rendered differently just in the difference between the two. This is pretty eye-opening. There's a pretty big difference between a Masoretic text and a Septuagint. Psalm 51, 5 through 8, in the New Revised Standard Version or any other modern version, really, it says, Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Now, listen to the difference. I couldn't believe it. For behold, I was conceived in transgression, and in sins my mother bore me. Now listen, behold, you love truth. You showed me the unknown and secret things of your wisdom. You shall sprinkle me with hyssop, and I will be cleansed. You shall wash me, and I will be made whiter than snow. You shall make me hear joy and gladness. My bones that were humbled shall greatly rejoice. The first has David basically begging God to do something for him, who was a wretched sinner before he even took a breath. Sounds like our old paradigm. The second, and a thousand year older text the apostles themselves used, looks like David is saying his mother may have conceived him in sin, like out of wedlock. And although David went on to do the same thing with Bathsheba committing adultery and giving birth to what many would call an illegitimate child, as he sought God, the Lord, who is truth, unveiled hidden truth to David in his pain and anguish over what he had done. And then David declares, you shall sprinkle me with hyssop and I'll be cleansed. You shall wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. You shall make me hear joy and gladness. My bones that were humbled, not crushed by God, but by the weight of guilt on David's conscience over what he had done, will greatly rejoice. To me, this is called trust in Papa. This is boldly coming to the throne of grace and knowing deep in your soul that you have a father who will heal you and make you whole again. Trust in the father's character and nature and heart and great love for you. Boy, that's so wonderful. And I think when uh, you posted that fairly recently, right? Yes, sir. Just a few days ago. Yeah. And I seem to remember you saying in it, or maybe I just read this other places, that the man of God went to uh, see who God's anointed one was going to be to replace Saul. When Samuel went to uh, David's father, he said, you know, bring all your sons out before me and I'll show you which one. Well, he didn't bring David out. And traditionally, we've been taught, well, it's because he was young and they knew that he couldn't have been one to be considered. But it seems more plausible that uh, that his dad didn't bring him out because uh, he was the one who was conceived illegitimately. Yeah, exactly. It makes much more sense too, doesn't it? Well, yeah. You know, I'm so grateful, Michael, for the internet. The, these things like you were talking about in the, the research and things, that wasn't widely available just 20, 30 years ago. But now people have discovered these books that may be very few copies of and writings and things and in uh, 
very obscure libraries in Egypt and wherever, all the different places. But now they've been transcribed, they've been put online, and things like the Masoretic text and the different things that they're widely available now. And if somebody like you or me is so inclined, we can go and look and see these things. And it's just like with the Greek and with the Hebrew, the words that have been translated had more than one meaning, most all of them. So the translator can choose whichever one that they want to. A prime example of that is back in Genesis, where it says, uh, as was his custom, God walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. Well, God is plural. Elohim means plural. And the words in the cool of the day, that word is ruach, which is spirit, which is feminine in the Hebrew, And of all the different places that that word is translated in the Old Testament, hundreds of times, there's only one time that it was translated in the cool of the day, and it was there, and that's a totally incorrect translation. What it means is the gods, Jesus and Papa, walked in the spirit with Adam and Eve. (laughs) has nothing to do with the cool of the day. Some translator just figured the time of the day when we go for a walk is in the cool of the evening or whatever. Uh, Yeah. You'll get a lot of pushback if you start talking about the spirit is actually feminine in Hebrew and Greek. You think? And Oh, you'll get a lot of pushback. I've seen it. And, uh, you know, you can rightly let them know that the three famous parables of Jesus, the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the prodigal son, the lost son was about the father. The lost sheep was about the good shepherd, Jesus. The lost coin, it was about a woman that swept the house clean from inside the house. It's the spirit, father, son, and spirit right there in those three parables. Yeah, what a great insight. Jesus, of course, spoke Aramaic, and the word for uh, spirit in Aramaic is feminine. And uh, I, gosh, I wonder why they started saying him. Hmm. Yeah. Patriarchal <laughs> culture. You think? Yeah. Oh, man. God, God has a maternal side. Thank goodness. Cause yeah. us, us guys need that maternal voice sometimes. Oh, do we ever? Yeah. And, and your insight on that. I actually, I'd never heard that about those three parables in the Luke 15, that the middle one was, about the feminine sweeping the house clean from the inside. <laughs> That's really yeah, good. Yeah, already inside the house. Already inside the house. You are yeah. the temple. Yep. Yeah. We did have to invite him to come in there first, though, didn't we? Oh, oh, wait a minute. It's a her, and she was already there. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like Paul invited Jesus to knock him off his ass, huh? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> he was really hoping that would happen. <laughs> Well, man, another session has just flown by. So sometime in the future, we'll have to get together and do this. Uh, I'd love to. And I'd love to meet you in person and hang out sometime. That'd Uh, be great. I hope that will come about. So uh, thanks again, Michael. And and as we get ready to close up, tell people again how they can connect with you. Uh, Yeah, like I said the first time, I'm just kind of busy with with my kids and, and work and stuff. So I'm not all over the place. I just primarily am on is on social media, Facebook, Michael Mapoyer. And then I have a, a, a page that I, I've had for quite some time called The Uprising. And it's not just, I was saying the first time, it's not just my voice. I have other voices on there that contribute. So it's not just my way or the highway. There's, you know, I'm more of the student theological type guy. And then I have like a real 
Paul Young type voice like Gary Matthews and uh, Richard Murray Bo Hoffman sometimes contribute. Melinda, I'm so terrible pronouncing her last name, but I have I have several voices that are on there with me. The Uprising is the name of the page. You know, check me out. Send me a friend request. You know, let's connect that way. I look forward to meeting some new people. I encourage people to do that. And I know that uh, there are some new people that are listening to and watching these two podcasts. And I'm just grateful to have people have the opportunity to hear more from you uh, and to to hear your voice uh, in addition to seeing things you write and you post. Keep up those posts. And thank you for doing that. Thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate the time. Thank you, Michael. And thanks to everybody who's been watching today. I appreciate you coming to another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.